0: Welcome to You Me Empathy. Thank you for listening. We would like to remind you that this podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only and is not a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Known as just a silly boy with a feely heart. Please consider supporting the show. Check us out on Patreon or simply leave a review on iTunes. Here's your host and creator of the show, Known Wells.
1: Hello, feely humans. Welcome to another episode of You Me, Empathy. My name is Known Wells, and I'm here today on episode 93 of the show with my guest, Brandon Harvey. Brandon and I talk about the importance of mentors, celebrating the stories of others, finding hope over cynicism, and why goodness matters. Brandon is all about goodness. He has the Sounds Good podcast, a very popular podcast I love. He started the Good Newspaper celebrating goodness in the world, and he's part of Good, Good, Good. He's all about goodness, and he's a good dude that I really, uh, really had a lot of fun chatting with, and uh, I think you'll love it. Uh, Before we get to the episode, though, I just wanted to remind you that episode 100, the 100th episode party, uh, celebrating 100 episodes, will be here next month. And by October 1st, if you want to participate, and anyone can, you just need to send me, you need to email me, youmeempathy at gmail.com, you need to email me five minutes of audio or less no more than five minutes, Uh, a personal experience that you've had with empathy, vulnerability, or emotional exploration, a seminal moment, a memorable moment, an integral moment in your mental health uh, related to empathy, vulnerability, and or emotional exploration. So record that. Um, Record in a quiet place if you can. Send me the mp3 audio file uh, at umiempathy at gmail.com with the subject line, 100th episode celebration. And again, I need your audio by October 1st. Please do that. I've only received one so far from dear Francesca. And so, uh, be more like Francesca, you guys. Send, send, me, your, uh, send me your stories. I want to I celebrate you on this episode. So, uh, please do that. Uh, okay, uh, another thing I wanted to mention is we've got a new Apple Podcast review from Vania Lynn, V A N I A L Y N N. Vania says the subject line is all the feels. Quote, a safe space for feely humans feeling big feely things. Thank you for giving me something to center myself in between therapy. It reminds me that we are never alone on this pale blue dot. End quote. Thank you, Vanya. I, I really appreciate that. That's really what this show is about. It's it's reminding us that we're not alone because we're not. There's so much in us that we can connect to and relate to. And that's the beauty of being human and being a feely human. So thank you, Vanya, for that review. You guys, if you want to leave a review for Yumi Empathy, go to Apple Podcasts. Five stars, write your feely heart out, and I will read it on my intros for the Yumi Empathy podcast episode. So, thank you. Please do that. Okay, should we get to the episode? Oh, make sure to follow Yumi Empathy on Instagram, Twitter, at Yumi Empathy. We've got a private Facebook group. That's at facebook.com slash groups slash You Empathy. And let's do it. Let's get to uh, the episode now with my sweet, good friend, Brandon Harvey. On why goodness matters You you owe me, mm-hmm. me.
0: me. me. Empathy. empathy, empathy, empathy La 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 You
1: Welcome to You, Me, Empathy, a podcast about exploring the struggles we face in our day-to-day lives as humans trying to get by on this wondrous and overwhelming pale blue dot. The intent of You, Me, Empathy is to talk openly, without judgment, about our mental health, our neuroses, our shared anxieties and worries, to create a dialogue that is vulnerable and deeply human and empathetic, and to share that dialogue with others to inspire emotional and cognitive collaboration and insight so we can, hand in hand, break down the stigma that make us feel shame and guilt for struggling, for feeling our feelings, for being feely humans. Yumi Empathy is a safe, friendly space designed to inspire the beauty in each of us. Today, I'm feeling good, good, good to gab with unabashedly optimistic storyteller, cynicism defeater, passionate advocate and curator of the good in the world, and Sounds Good podcast creator, Brandon Harvey. Hello, Brandon. Oh my goodness, I am so honored (laughs) to be here, and what a kind intro. Thank you for having me. Oh yeah, I'm so honored to have you, friend. I, I was... I uh, my sort of nerd brain was tickled by the idea of having good 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 to gab. It was a a, a lovely alliteration oh, moment. That's
0: perfect. <laughs> oh my goodness! It's my it's, it's oh you nailed it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for being here on Yumi Empathy. I am a I'm a big fan of yours and the work that you're doing in the world, and we'll get into all of that. But before we do, we always kick off the show with just an
0: emotional check in. How how are you? How are you feeling? I'm doing great today, actually, in anticipation for this conversation, because i I guess I'll back up and say I, I know that sometimes my my brain just feels so busy and cluttered, and then I'll do something like this that I care about, uh, and I won't be able to be fully present. And so, in anticipation that that could happen today, I woke up uh, and I went on a run and I meditated, and I ate a, a delightful breakfast. And uh, because of it, I'm feeling great. And I'm like, why don't I just do this every day and show up for uh, life like this every day? So um, today is an especially good day. Oh, that's so good to hear.
1: I, I love those days. Are you a runner? Is that is that something you'd call yourself?
0: I, I, w- <laughs> I wouldn't call myself that, but it is something that I do. Um, and... I I feel like I'm recently getting back into it, and I, it's not for my physical health as much as it's for my mental health. It's become one of the most helpful things I've done for my brain. Yeah,
1: I relate to that deeply. I, 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 I consider myself a runner, and I've been a runner for a while, and I've recently had to make some adjust adjustments. Like, I, I was always a longer-distance runner, and I did sort of long... Trail runs, fifteen miles, twenty mile runs. Wow! And I've had to start to scale back because it was it was, you know, messing up with my body. It was I was having pain, and um, it, it's mm. been a good sort of challenge to to listen to my body because I'm I'm like you, Brandon. I I get so much mental benefit out of running, and so I I still want to continue running, but I just need to do it on a level
0: that's not as not as intense, you know. One of my favorite tools that I've found recently has been, um, you know, the app Headspace. It's a meditation yeah, app. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so they did a partnership with Nike, and it's essentially Nike's main running coach and Andy Puttingcomb from Headspace, and they'll basically walk you through a run. Um, and so I'll like do a run, and they're like in my head essentially giving me like meditation and coaching at the same time. And it's great because their goal is not for you to run a half marathon or anything. Their goal is for you to go out and do something good for your your mind uh, using your body. And so that's been really helpful for me to be like, oh, I don't have to accomplish a bunch. I don't have to run a long time if I'm really present with the short amount that I do run.
1: Yeah, I I love that. I think that's such a beautiful act. I I think we, as humans, tend to get it caught up in the numbers, get caught up in the sort of end goals or the achievements. But if we can kind of be with our, our noggins and just kind of be in the moment, I mean, it's, it's, it's easier said than done, but when we can get there, it's, it's a beautiful moment. Yeah. That's definitely what I'm seeking in a lot of aspects of my life right
0: now. Nice. Nice. Well, thank you for showing up and being present. Well, thank you for again for having me and it's it's an honor to get to be present for this. Yeah.
1: Well, I I wanted to uh share for you uh, Brandon and the listeners. I um today, so this is sort of my emotional check-in. Today I I was featured on um this beautiful suicide awareness project called Faces of Fortitude uh, by my friend Mary Angela Abeo. <laughs> And I've got, uh, so she posted like a picture. It's a black and white photography project um, aimed around creating awareness for suicide um, and really cross-narrative suicide awareness. So people who've had ideation, people who've attempted suicide and people who've been impacted by people who have died by suicide. And it's mm. very beautiful. And I, I was featured today as of this recording um, and just have gotten a, a ton of wonderful... Supportive and loving and empathetic responses, and
0: I'm feeling uh, I'm feeling very loved in the moment. That's great. Yeah, that's so good to hear. Yeah. And uh, congratulations! And uh, I'm excited for that to uh, to move the needle for some people and to be uh, a helpful resource and uh, and story. Yeah,
1: yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Well, let's let's uh, let's jump into your story, Brandon. I, I you. Your world is goodness. There's so much goodness and storytelling, and and I, I I'm I'm eager to sort of delve into it. But I I always kind of kick off this uh, part of the the, the chat uh, by asking my guests: Can you give me maybe a seminal moment or two, um, moments of your life that that really kind of stick out as being memorable? Um, that that. It could be from your childhood, could be from your adulthood. Doesn't matter. Just moments that really kind of speak to who you are today. Something that really kind of sticks out as memorable. Doesn't necessarily have to be about mental health, but it could be. That's up to you. Just kind of seminal, memorable
0: moments. Hmm. Interesting question. I feel like uh, it's so it's so hard to to kind of process that, but. um, <laughs> I mean, I think one thing that I think about is uh, <laughs> uh I remember when I was in middle school uh and i I was always kind of like the the class clown, the person who would would yell jokes when i when I should't <laughs> sure. be. and it was definitely a distraction for all of my teachers just trying to do their job and to and for all the students who are trying to learn uh and I remember getting in trouble once from uh, Mrs. Walker. Uh, and Mrs. Walker was a, she also just kind of on the side for fun, like to draw and illustrate cartoons. And uh, so I get in trouble that day. And the next day I come into school and she wrote me, or she illustrated a little comic uh, of me uh, that was essentially telling me like, Hey, you're a lot of fun, but you have to learn like when to keep your mouth shut. <laughs> <laughs> and and I I love that because it was actually she was right, uh, and and it was actually communicated in such a a, a thoughtful, uh, dare I say, empathetic way uh, that kind of affirmed what I was doing, who I maybe am innately, but spoke to this shift I could make that actually like would allow me to be a better human and probably be more helpful. Um, and, and I don't know, I th- I think that was one of the first times I remember uh, receiving constructive criticism and being like, Oh, like this can make me a better, uh, this can make me a better person. And just like having the ears to hear. Yeah. And I don't know why I thought of that today. And I don't even actually know if that's, um, uh, I don't think that set off like a chain reaction that led to what I do today, uh, but I am grateful for that, and I, I just remember that being a moment of of personal learning um, and making me want to grow as a, as a human being in a time where probably I wasn't very self aware mm. yet. I, I
1: I really like that moment. I think it's a beautiful moment because it's it. She saw you. She. She kind of—it's almost like she she saw the type of person you are, and she was using maybe some of the language you would use to kind of meet you halfway in a way, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. And there's so much like in, um, you know, I struggle with <laughs> constructive criticism sometimes, and and there's there's a fine line between just kind of doing it bluntly and doing it thoughtfully and thinking about the person and how this particular person would react to a certain comment or piece of criticism. And I think, um, yeah, I think that's like a great lesson in like how we, interact with each other. Cause just the words we use could be the difference between you being inspired to, to kind of look at that and be like, oh, this was interesting. Like I, maybe I need to think about this differently versus you shutting down or, or, you know, exactly just, you know, blowing your top and, and just being, you know, twice the class clown you were, you know?
0: Yeah, no, exactly. I think uh, you know, and I would imagine plenty of other teachers before that and maybe even after that, uh, and probably just humans in general, have tried to give me that constructive uh, criticism in a way that didn't speak to me uh, and and I probably didn't respond to it. Um, and it, so it's interesting to think about how I can do that as well. And, it, you know, it's tricky because not everybody's the same, too. So it's yeah. not like you can just come up with a creative way of communicating and then that's going to work on everybody. Right. You've got to create unique tools for unique people and it requires being fully present to who that person is and uh, what what their needs are yeah you have to listen yeah Yeah. a big
1: part of empathy and and just connecting as humans is listening and and really having uh the ability to let go of any ego and just kind of meet people where they are yeah um were you like that at home too were you kind of like class clown uh growing up in in the household i mean i think
0: to some degree yeah i think i've always just been like bold not super quiet when i have opinions i share them um (laughs) uh probably i mean but you know there's less competition at home so there's less need to (laughs) to rise above a a a roar (laughs) and so yeah but i think you know i think I was a pretty consistent human across the board. Yeah, did you have do you have siblings? I've got 3 younger siblings.
1: Okay, so you're the oldest. Yes. All right, all right. I'm the second oldest. Firstborn, firstborn son and then I have two younger brothers, older sister.
0: Got it. Okay. Um what what was your home life like? It I mean it felt pretty I mean, just great. Like, I had a great childhood, amazing family. Um, It's nice being back in Oregon. They live here in Oregon, so I get to see a lot of them more. Um, Yeah, I mean, I just feel like we were a a tight unit. I grew up in a small town uh, where you could just, like, walk anywhere. And I remember my sister and I, like, just, like, walking across town on the weekends just for fun. You know, you'd stop into a coffee shop for a bit. you keep on walking. Um, And, you know, it probably didn't even take more than an hour. (laughs) uh, to walk that far. And, um, it, it was, yeah, I feel like I had a a wonderful childhood and I loved it. That's, that's good to hear. Um, do you have
1: a, like looking back at yourself as being this, you know, class clown type at school and and being kind of loud and boisterous and, and, um, that way, do you looking back, you know, you're, how old are you now? uh 26 26 so looking you're an adult now looking back at this this kid you were like do you do you still see a lot of yourself in that person is that has that been sort of consistent for you
0: yeah i think so i mean i think some of the biggest things was i i had great mentors growing up great people who kind of invested in me poured into me mm. reminded me who i am saw who i was and then reminded me who i was um and uh, I feel like those mentors like laid the groundwork for all of the work I do today in a really unique way. Um, and uh, kind of their, I think that until you grow in self awareness, you you really don't have a clue who you are. You just kind of listen to what other people tell you you yeah, are. Totally. And if you've got great trusted people, like then you're golden. Like that's awesome. Cause then you're off to a head start before you're even kind of in a spot of self awareness. And so I feel very grateful that I had people who kind of saw my leadership qualities and encouraged those things and saw my uh optimism and, and encouraged those things or my sense of justice and encouraged those things. Hmm. Um and even taught me, you know, hey, here's how to take that sense of justice and and do something unique with it. Here's how to take your time and talents and abilities, um, your interests, your passions, and uh, pour that into something that that makes a difference for somebody or for groups of people. And so I I feel very grateful that I kind of learned those skills so early and even was given some leadership opportunities to bring others along for those experiences to also kind of learn um, as I was learning. And I think that I'm so grateful for that. And I think it really is a part of the work I do in 2019. Yeah. No,
1: that's amazing. And it's, it's, I, I think it is a rare thing because I know, you know, the people I speak to and certainly in my case didn't, certainly didn't feel like I had any support in, uh, the self-awareness sort of seeking journey that I needed to do, you know? Um, can you give me some specific examples of, like, I mean, were these, uh, parents, teachers, and what, what kind of, can you give me a specific example of, like, what they did kind of early on to help you?
0: Yeah. Well, so, I, I think most about Karin. So, Karin was probably, six to eight years older than me maybe um she had gone to the same high school as me she lived in my small hometown uh and i remember finding her on myspace and just thinking she was so cool uh because she was a a photographer a professional photographer uh shooting cool myspace (laughs) photos uh for bands and stuff and uh i when i was in high school i uh i Took a photography class, and uh, as a part of it, I got to use a camera for a for a year. Uh, I got to basically like, keep it, take it home, and so I very quickly uh, fell in love with photography. Started finding people online that I admired, and started working to uh, learn from them and emulate their photos and become better by uh, practicing. and Karen was one of those people, but unlike all the other people I followed, she was actually in my town. And she very generously started kind of investing in me, giving me opportunities to shadow her for photo shoots. And she would actually pay me for those things and uh, giving me all kinds of experiences and opportunities and trying new things with lights and different cameras and different lenses and going on adventures and shooting photos of abandoned houses or bands or um, parties or events or anything like that. But most of all, Um, in addition to the technical stuff and the business stuff and, uh, the client relations stuff, she taught me how to use my photography to make a difference. And I remember her, um, having a a friend who was a single mother, um, had a super cute son who was probably eight at the time. Uh, and she just knew, Hey, this mom like would never prioritize uh, paying for photography for you know family photos, but she like deserves to know how beautiful she is and how beautiful her family is and uh, how wonderful would it be to gift her um, a-, a photo shoot that's worth you know, significant amount of money. And so she brought me along in that. And we both got to photograph this amazing, uh, single mother and her kid and create these just beautiful, wonderful photos. Um, and, uh, it was that moment where I was like, Oh, it's, it's an, it's interesting to think about how easy it is to use this unique skill that I have that, you know, the person to my right and the person to my left doesn't have, uh, in a way that, that helps somebody in a way that is unique to them. And, uh, that I think really got my, uh, gears turning, you know, not just saying, oh, I should do this a lot, which I did start doing that a lot, but, um, you know, as I gained new skills or passions or, um, things that got me excited, um, how could I use those things as well to move the needle? And I think in many ways she kind of built that trajectory for me saying, okay, who else is doing this? Who else is using their passions, talents, abilities, things that get them excited to move the needle for good in the world? Mm. And, and so those have also always been my heroes. Yeah. And those were, when I first launched my podcast, those were the people that I had conversations with because I just wanted to learn from them and about them and how and why they did what they did.
1: That's so cool. What, a, what an amazing, um, I mean, that, that, that experience
0: must have been so transformative for you um yeah i mean truly it's uh it it would have been so easy for her to just say hey here's aperture here's shutter speed uh here's you know yeah. what the lens yeah. letters just and numbers go mean," off and just leave it there but she she took it so much deeper and and i you know that's not an easy thing to do either like to lug along like some 16-year-old punk, but uh, I'm forever grateful. And I just got to, she lives in San Diego now and I just uh, I just got to hang out with her and her husband there. And uh, so, it's really fun to get to, you know, still keep in touch with people like that who, you know, made such a, a difference in my life.
1: That's so, I mean, this that warms my heart and fill, fills it up because it, there's two things I want to highlight here. The w- first being uh, uh, her... You know, doing that for you, I think. I think that that um, speaks to the care that she has, the 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 impact that she wants to make, and the just showing, just kind of like guiding the next generation in giving back and goodness. And I think that's um, that's a huge gift, and not many of us do that for each other. And I think we need to. The second thing is that. You were like this was like the experience where you know you said it yourself, but I just want to repeat it because it's such a an important thing. You started to connect the dots of like, oh, I have this like unique ability. I can use that for good, and and I think that's a, a beautiful lesson for all of us. Is that like we each of us have unique capacities for um, creation, for artistic endeavor, for what have you, and. W- we can use it all for good. Our experiences, like the, the great lesson in this podcast is that our traumas or our struggles, or these are experiences that can, if we sort of look at it in the right way and process it the right way, can be, uh, transformative for others. Like if we tell our stories to allow them to feel less alone or find insight into our own Mm. stories, you know? Um, So I, I, I just think that's such a beautiful moment you had. Thank you. Thank you. That's really well said. Oh, thanks. So this, so you, at 16, you were doing this photography work and then what, what kind of, what kind of things were you
0: starting to do, uh, right after that? So I, I kind of went down that trajectory for a while and I, uh, I I really wanted to be a professional photographer when I grew up, and I started making money while I was in high school doing that, which was pretty wild. Um, I don't think that it's <laughs> I don't think that that was um, evidence of me being a great photographer. I think it was evidence of me being in a very small town, <laughs> and uh, but I, I'm very grateful that because I was in a small town, uh, I was given paying paid work opportunities. Um, And I think in a lot of ways that kind of built my confidence and helped me see myself as an entrepreneur and a business owner. Um, But I went off to college and, you know, my parents were like, all right, well have fun at school. Make sure you, uh, you focus on school (laughs) and not photography. And I was like, okay. And I genuinely meant it. And then uh, I show up in Portland, Oregon, which is the exact opposite city of my small hometown. Um, in a wonderful way. Like it, it was just filled with people who were so different than people I'd experienced and uh, life experiences that were so wild and vast and varied. And I was confronted with a lot of things that I had never experienced before, um, including a lot of injustice and a lot of, um, uh, a lot of heartbreaking things because to some degree, I kind of grew up in a sheltered community. Um, and I get there and I'm like, well, you know, I, I guess I've got this photography skill. I should just like, Start volunteering with some nonprofits and uh, start kind of sharing my photo abilities with people who are making a difference in these problems I'm seeing um, I'll just do that a little bit on the side um and so I start doing that and and eventually it turns out that like I'm doing that all the time and I'm still going to college and you know there are even times where I go to uh Africa for two weeks during the school year and I like talk to my professors and say hey I'm gonna be in um'm gonna be in Zimbabwe for uh the next four <laughs> classes um That's bold of you I can do stuff on the online i'm at that point I'm like twenty nineteen mm-hmm. um and it's it's so funny just like fully owning this thing where I'm like yeah like I'm gonna keep on going to school but I'm also gonna be like I'm <laughs> gonna just like leave and go to Zimbabwe in the middle of uh of school and it worked like it was fun i i I completed all my classes and, um, I took one or two quarters off just to, um, cause I had a, like a gig in, uh, Southeast Asia where I was going to be gone for like four weeks. And, uh, they were like, that's, that's probably a little too much. <laughs> and, but, but besides that, you know, I, I was able to just kind of go through the full thing. Um, and, uh, and so it, it was interesting though, being in Portland, uh, and building out this thing, and following this passion, and, and working with a lot of organizations and social uh, social impact brands, and um, and that was around the time when I when kind of Instagram came along, and I. Um, I started sharing a lot of these photos on Instagram mm. and started taking a, a pretty unique approach to Instagram, really focusing on storytelling and uh, sharing these unique experiences around the world and also the unique experiences of the people I was meeting in Portland, whether they were uh, homeless people or creative people, but regardless, people who were had different life experiences than me, uh, whose stories I found interesting. And I would ask permission, hey, can I shoot a portrait of you and share a bit of your story? online and uh, I started doing that and uh, it was really fun to see people kind of responding to this because I think at the time it was a little bit unique to share on Instagram Mm -hmm. a lot of photos of people instead of like pictures of your coffee and pictures of sunsets. And so, uh, and I, I love pictures of coffee and sunsets, but this unique thing was getting some kind of attention and I was like, Oh, maybe I can lean further into this And that's when I kind of realized like maybe more than just being a photographer, I am a storyteller. Like I can tell stories and maybe I don't even have to hold myself to just this one medium. Maybe there's other ways for me to communicate these things. And so that's when I started to really explore myself as a writer, myself as a filmmaker, that one kind of busted and flopped. I, 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 it just kind of, it was funny, like, leaning into that being like, what if I'm a filmmaker? And then trying it a few times and being like, that's that's really hard. I don't <laughs> like that. <laughs> and then trying other things. And and, and now, you know, I, I'm only partially a photographer, but I've got all these other mediums for telling stories. And so uh, that was kind of around the same time where I was just becoming more self-aware and, and, and realizing that my identity could be more than just photography. It's really neat. How...
1: What were um, what were some of the the I mean, when you were posting those uh, photos early on and those sort of storytelling photos of people early on on your Instagram, what were you hoping to convey as a message?
0: I think it was curiosity. I think that it was me thinking about how just a little bit of curiosity led to me having this amazing. Amazing conversation that was so interesting and so fascinating, uh, and and inspiring. And I thought, hey, if more people can have some curiosity about the people around them, if they can ask some deeper questions or talk to people that they would have never talked to, uh, then they'll get this amazing opportunity that I'm experiencing for the first time. Um, and so, and I think that. I found a community of people who had probably discovered that long before me and were passionate about mm-hmm. that. And then a group of people who were ready to jump on that journey as well. And I actually started a, a hashtag back in the day, back when like there were hashtags that people weren't using yet. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, it was just hashtag story portrait, you know, share a story, share a portrait. Um, you've got story portrait and, uh, I remember realizing that I had kind of stumbled across something that wasn't just m- for me. It was a universal uh, thing that a lot of people cared about when I checked the hashtag one day and it wasn't just my photos mm. on there. <laughs> mm-hmm. There were other people who were interested in this and trying this out. Uh, and that that was a really cool thing to think, oh, I, I get to move the needle on this in a way that I, I guess I didn't know that
1: I could mm and when you're on these sort of international sort of adventures what in these beautiful sort of impactful conversations you're having with you know people from all over the world um what are you learning by your, about yourself during this process cuz you're still pretty young at this point right
0: yeah yeah i'm i i most of this was happening when i was you know still a, a, a in my teens and early 20s um, I, I think one of the biggest things was uh, learning that when I step outside myself and show a sense of curiosity, but mostly a sense of um, empathy, and and almost even more importantly, like showing people that I'm that I'm present, mm. um, that amazing things happen. And that you know that's such a hard thing, and, and sometimes I feel like I've gotten away from that, and I've got seasons where I'm better at that than others, but. Uh, it's always so great like when I sit down somewhere with my headphones off and I just like, look around the room and realize that there are so many people around me with different stories and uh, I can strike up a conversation and, uh, and learn so much, but also hopefully make somebody's day a little bit better mm. um, and subsequently make myself feel a little bit better. Um, so I think that was one of the biggest things. I think that the other thing was I was really drawn to people who were experiencing life circumstances where I wouldn't blame them for being cynical or apathetic or hopeless or angry, but they were choosing a sense of hopefulness. And not just a sense of hopefulness, but a desire to make a difference. Mm -hmm. And I think that was... I I think I was always inspired by that, even stateside when I first moved to Portland. But I think it was especially profound, you know, talking to people, you know, when I'm on the ground in U- when I'm on the ground in Uganda or I'm on the ground in the Philippines and I'm talking to people who, you know, are they've had they've had a lot of crap thrown at them. They've had a- they've experienced more injustice than I can even imagine, uh, and they. Somehow, are maintaining a sense of hope, and then, despite you know a lack of traditional resources, despite um, a lack of public influence in the way that I might have or anybody in the United States might have, uh, they are dedicated to making the lives of other people better. Even though you know they could fully just be a recipient of the aid, like that would nobody would fault them, for, right? when life deals you those blows to just to just you know try to lick your wounds and 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 to take care of yourself but instead they were choosing to take care of others and that i mean that blew my mind and and so that i think set me off on this really deep curiosity on how how in the world do you do that because i i'm not somebody who's experienced a great deal of injustice in the world. I'm not even necessarily somebody who's experienced uh, a lot of of personal pain in my own life, you know, yeah. to some degree, but compared to many others, n- not at all. Uh, and I even have hard time, I, I honestly sometimes have a really hard time with uh, maintaining a sense of hope sure. or optimism and not falling into that trap of, cynicism and apathy and and so to learn from people who are trying to figure that out uh or who have potentially figured that out um is is one of the most fascinating questions i've i've kind of been asking myself for years Mm. yeah it is
1: pretty remarkable i think like it's interesting you said like you know you've haven't you haven't had a ton of personal loss or struggle or, or injustice. And, you know, I, I would classify myself in that as well. Um, even though I've had some childhood trauma and, and abuses and things like that, like, I still feel in the grand scheme of things, like, I am a white male living in California, you know, I, I feel very <laughs> lucky uh, for the place I'm in. And I think, like, I I bring that up because, to empathize with you, Brandon, because I think that we, despite all of that, we can still do good work, and we can still uh, foster that curiosity, and we can still uh, give back and focus on the good. And uh, it doesn't mean we can't... um, I mean, we can't fully empathize with some of the people you're referring to, but we can certainly make a difference. We can certainly show up and lead with our hearts and see how that connection goes and connect with others. Because, like, I think sometimes we as humans get caught up in the, like, ugh, I, like, I don't, you know, I haven't struggled enough. Like, I'm not mentally ill enough or I'm not this thing enough. And it keeps us from making the choices to make that impact, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah. And I think I think that's something that I've kind of asked myself a lot because I do want to be sensitive to, uh, you know, the reality that I, I don't understand these things as much as others do. Uh, but I think that when you have a genuine sense of curiosity, you can continue to, to try to experience, or not try to experience, but try to, um, understand and try to seek that um, and and you're right i th- I think almost uh people who experience more privilege and fewer injustices and heartbreak uh, and pain uh, almost have the responsibility to do something about those injustices because i don't think it's fair for just the people who are experiencing those injustices um especially if they're actively experiencing them uh, to be expected to be the ones to change things. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm living in, in a great deal of privilege. And so I think it's my responsibility to step in and say, okay, I'm going to fight this. Yeah. Um, even though I can't imagine what the pain you're going through is, even though I haven't experienced that head on myself, um, I see a way that I can uniquely do something. Uh, and I want to do that alongside you. Yeah. One hundred percent. Um I have
1: a question for you. What yeah. what is in your mind? What is good? What is goodness? What does goodness mean to you? I think that
0: I I I wholeheartedly believe that the world is becoming a better place year after year. I wholeheartedly believe that if you were to be born if if you had the choice of when you, in the world, in the course of history, you could be born without knowing your your race, your nationality, your gender, uh, your sex, your orientation—all these things. You would hands down choose 2019 because, across the most pieces of data, it is the best time. To be alive, and of course, there are so many problems and injustices, and there, and, and many things are, uh, you know, worse this year than they were than they were last year. But if you zoom out and look at um, the grand history of the world, we are significantly better than any previous decade. Right, um, and I think that good is things that take us. That I think that good is things that take us a step closer to uh, this better and better and more perfect and more perfect world. Uh, And, you know, sometimes those are small changes and sometimes those are huge, massive things. Um, But that's when I talk about celebrating the good in the world and becoming the good in the world. uh, That's what I'm talking about. It's, it's okay. How can we be a part of this beautiful trend of goodness uh because I don't want to look back at the the data and, and see that there was this amazing swelling of, of good uh that happened in one area and and not be able to know that I was a part of that. Mm. And to think that maybe it could have been even better for more people had I moved the needle, if I had stepped up. Uh so so good is, is any contribution towards uh this this slow and steady march towards uh, a greater amount of equality and justice and uh, hope in the world. Mm. Is
1: good to you, I mean, so I would uh, sort of glean from that, that good is, this is an objective good we're talking about, a universal good.
0: Yeah. And I mean, that's, that's where things get tricky, yeah. you know, where a lot of good is pretty subjective and but i would i would say i think good can be subjective short term i think long term it's uh it's it becomes objective so uh one of the first stories that we ever told when we kind of created this company focus on the good in the world good 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 was uh the fact that uh self-driving cars are coming quicker than ever they're becoming more efficient and cheaper and You know, there was some estimated year in the very near future where there where self driving cars are going to be the majority, Uh, and I hands down see this as good news because it's going to reduce carbon emissions, which is going to be better for people across the globe. It's going to cut down on congestion. Uh, It's going to uh, create more spaces in public areas because we're not going to have parking lots anymore. Uh, so that there's going to be more potentially social interaction and more green space. And, uh, so many reasons why this is good. Fewer car accidents. Um, less traffic, but and less traffic. Exactly. All these things more efficiently getting places so you can spend more time with the people you love instead of, uh, commuting. All these things. Uh, but, uh, at the same time, The reality is that the number one job for men in America is driving. So whether you're a taxi driver, an Uber driver, or you're delivering things, you're a truck driver, uh, anything like that, driving is the number one occupation for men in America. And you think about uh, how self-driving cars are essentially going to put a a very large number of of people out of a job mm. and that's heartbreaking like you can't you can't pretend like that's uh not going to affect people and their families in a huge way like that's going to be a really hard thing um and so there's some nuance to this in the short term but in the long term all of those people are going to live healthier happier lives on a planet that is thriving because of this but in the short term, hands down, that's a difficult pill to swallow. And so then you are confronted with another injustice of uh, you have all these people who uh, don't have a job and I think that everybody deserves the right to do something that, that makes them come alive and helps them contribute to society and gives them the ability to live the life that they want to live with the people that they want to live with, um, and so then, okay, cool. How do we solve that problem? How do we provide uh, you know people with this particular skill set um, a new job that is in line with their values, and, values and passions and abilities? And uh, you know, it, it's almost it for me. It honestly becomes exciting to think about because uh, it's like, okay, cool, another problem to solve. We we'll, we we've solved the last one. Let's solve this next one. Mm. And so. Uh, I guess that's an example of how the the short term um good is is subjective fairly so uh but in the long term I believe that uh objectively on you know every metric I think we'll just continue to become um better if we continue to work at it. Yeah. Would you say that this sort of
1: pursuit of goodness is really more broadly speaking, a, a a philosophy we need to live as humans as opposed to a vocation that we exist in.
0: Yes, yes. I think... I, I, I don't think everybody has to be working for a nonprofit. Not everybody has to do what I do for their work. Um, I think that we all need to find something to do that I, I think that all of us see an injustice in the world that is that breaks our hearts yeah. and especially i think we all have something that breaks our hearts in a way that's unique uh i don't think everybody's heart is going to break by the same things though there are some things that break everybody's mm-hmm. heart um and the trick is to figure out what you can do about that so it doesn't break your heart anymore. This is a quote from the founder of Patagonia who I just saw speak last week. And he said, the cure for depression is action. And I love that idea. And it, it also reminds me of this other quote from Eric Liu, uh, who is this guy who is deeply focused on getting people more involved in civics and and kind of public life and our shared life together and he said uh to be optimistic is to assume that things will work out but to be hopeful is to realize that things can work out if you work at them mm. hope requires responsibility and agency optimism relieves us of both he said in rooting for your favorite sports team choose optimism <laughs> in rooting for democracy choose hope and i i love this idea because we to be hopeful. It's required that you uh, show up with a sense of responsibility and agency. Um, and I think we all want to feel hopeful. Um, and it's okay to feel optimistic, you know, when you're going to, you know, a, a sporting event and you're like, oh, I hope we win. Uh, but you don't have any ability to, ability to do anything about right, that. Right. Uh, but when we choose a sense of hopefulness, we do.
1: That action component.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: That's really interesting. Um, I like that a lot. You know, recently, um, as of this recording, this, you know, um, and I saw you tweet about this a little bit, some uh, awfulness happened in the world over in Paris at the Notre Dame Cathedral. Um, Just devastating stuff. I I, I think, I I guess I'm getting at is, when we as humans see this type of thing, you know, tragedies, you know, bombings, these sorts of things we see, like, how do we, how do we continue to remain hopeful and not sort of beaten down? And because, you know, uh, like you said, we all have our ups and downs where we are human. Um, how do we... If we are feeling cynical or beaten down by these sort of tragic events that are, you know, we feel maybe are out of our control, how do we how do we bounce back from that?
0: Well, I, I would say the first thing is um if you feel heartbroken by something that happens in the world, whether it's a building burning down or a a shooting or Um, a a particular political policy that that is affecting human beings in a very real and heartbreaking way, Um, if you feel heartbroken by those things, then you're in a great spot and you're not alone. Um, I think that if you didn't feel heartbreak by those things, if you have become numb, uh, that's a a, a greater problem. Mm. And I also wouldn't fault anybody for that because I think it would be easy to feel numb. But if your heart is still breaking by those things, Uh, you're in a great place because it means that your heart is open. um, And that's how I want to live my whole life. And in fact, um, for years, I think I lived in that zone of optimism, uh, thinking that it was a sense of hope. And then I discovered what real hope is like. And uh, Brene Brown has this quote where she says, you can't selectively numb emotion. And I was realizing that I I was trying my best to not experience pain, uh, but at the same time, I, in my pursuit of doing that, I wasn't experiencing great joy or happiness. Mm. Uh, and when I started to allow myself to really feel overwhelmed by the, the tragedies in my own life and in the lives of others, uh, that was when I felt like I had become a, a more full human being. And so the 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 best thing is to start with heartbreak. And if I'm ever reporting on a story and, and trying to talk about how there's, there's good, uh, coming out of it, but it hasn't broken my heart yet. I pass the story off to somebody else. Uh, because if, if I can't experience a heartbreak, I don't think I deserve, uh, to, to be the one to share the good. Mm. Um, but fortunately I, I, I genuinely do believe that there is good, um, in the midst of, of heartbreak every single time, even when it's hard to see. There's this quote from one of my heroes, Fred Rogers, uh, where he says, when I was a boy and I would see scary things in the news, my mother would say to me, look for the helpers. You'll always find people who are helping. And at first I was like, yeah, that's a great sentiment. Uh, <laughs> always, you know, like, will you always find people who are helping? And uh, And kind of inspired by that quote, um, about four years ago, I started an email newsletter and it started with just a tweet where I was like, Hey, I'm, I'm curious to see how much good there is out in the world. Uh, if you want to join me in this, I'm, I'm going to just like start sending out emails every week, uh, talking about, uh, what, what I'm seeing in the world. that's good. Sign up if you want to. And a few people signed up and I signed up for a free MailChimp account. Started sending out these uh, these emails every week on on Tuesdays, um, and I've I, I genuinely I had like a list of like oh here's all the good things I've already seen, and over the first month I I, I basically started sharing those things, and then uh, got to the end of that month and I was like oh crap am I gonna run out? And I just started paying more attention and realized like no there's so much good in the world, uh, and and. And so, I it, it's interesting because I always just write down every single piece of good news that I see around the world. When I see it on the streets, I write it down. When I see it online, I write it down. Um, and it's the weeks with the greatest amount of heartbreak and pain and injustice that my list is actually the longest. Mm. And it's it's wild and it feels kind of woo woo. And I like, I, I don't know if I believe that there's like a a cosmic situation that makes that happen sure. but you know it it does happen. Yeah. <laughs> and uh and so that's been a really interesting thing to see and uh it because it, there's a few different kinds of good news. There's the ma- there's the macro good news, just the idea of um the fact that um, global poverty just continues to decline year after year or the fact that child mortality is declining in poor countries year after year. Those are the big things. But then there's also the small things like the stories of um, of people who who rush into unsafe situations, shootings or terrorist attacks to go and, and save people and, and serve people, knowing that uh, they could die in the process Mm, or, you know, people who see something heartbreaking happening in their neighborhood and they say, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to do something about this. I could just go about my life and nobody would fault me, but I'm going to choose to spend my time and energy uh, investing in this thing. Um, And I love both ends of that spectrum, but I, I believe that those things are always there. They're always present.
1: Yeah. No, I agree. And, uh, by the way, huge Fred Rogers fan myself. Um, yes. did you see, so did you good. see,
0: won't you be my, my neighbor? Yeah. It, oh my gosh. It was, <sighs> it was so beautiful and I don't think a single person walked out of that theater with a, with a dry eye. Oh my gosh! Um, I was weeping. I was be, weeping
1: like three minutes in.
0: Yeah. I need to, I need to watch it again. It was, it was amazing. I loved it so much.
1: Yeah. He is a true, uh, sort of hero of mine in and, you know, really seeing the good in people, really focusing on the good in life, and, and, and I, I love that quote, look for the helpers. It's it's something I think about every time something happens. And by the way, serendipitously, I did uh, just yesterday sign up for the good newsletter, and I got uh, in my email inbox today, I oh, got good. Some, uh, some good news even surrounding the whole Notre Dame Cathedral um, news. So uh, there you go.
0: It worked. Yeah. Well, thank <laughs> you for doing that. And, you know, it's so funny because I woke up, uh, you know, I, I scheduled that to go out the, early this morning um, and, I, and I wake up and I come downstairs and my wife is reading the news and there's even more good news around that that, I, that only got reported today. They didn't even make it in there. And so, I love that, um, you know, even though my job is to, to find the good and to share that with others, uh, there's there's more be found beyond that and so uh, there's no shortage I love that I I really love
1: everything that you stand for and are doing I and I'd love to um, you know have the listeners get a sense of like what it is exactly so you have good 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 you have the good newspaper Uh, by the way um, before I guess this was last year um, maybe springtime in Chicago I picked up, and I, I Instagram this, I picked up a copy of Good Newspaper at um, Sip of Hope in Chicago. Oh, I love Sip of Hope. I love Sip of Hope. Beautiful organizations, uh, organization. And this was uh, what got me sort of interested in your world. I was like, this is amazing. Um wow. I, I said, uh, I love this idea so much. It's easy to find ourselves on paths of negativity, of frustration, of hopelessness, because all of because of all the quote shitty news, I want to make an impact and yet feel overwhelmed and lost often. It helps to take a moment and remember the joy, the brights, the positive uh, us feely humans are capable of. And then we get back to the good fight. Um, So, yeah, Mm. I just, I was just like, wow, this is amazing. And uh, yeah, I just wanted to make sure you are aware that I
0: saw this thing out in the world. That makes me so happy (laughs) and I'm so honored. And, uh, yeah sip of hope is just such an amazing coffee shop doing good in regards to uh people's battles with mental health yep. and uh they i'm so proud that they have the good newspaper there um i don't know if they always have it there i don't know if they have it there right now but i'm so glad that you found it yeah there. it was awesome um, it was it was like they're what i needed line with our mission that's so yeah. perfect um yeah i mean uh to kind of uh take your question um you know with my background in humanitarian photography my passion for storytelling i i would come home from these trips i'd come back from uganda and i'd be telling these stories of of organizations who are doing really impactful work like just this game-changing work creating solutions to some of the biggest injustices uh, and i would tell these stories and i'd, I'd give them back to the nonprofits. And they would raise a bunch of money from their donors because of them. And it would allow them to keep on doing the work that they were doing. And I was so proud of it. But uh, the hard thing was a lot of those stories were just going straight back to the nonprofit and the people who already knew about those solutions. And that's great and all, but I would come back and I would talk to friends who would be like, uh, hey, man, you just came back from Africa. Uh, what?" Wanna- what's the deal with the AIDS crisis? Like, was that heartbreaking? What about Joseph Coney and the LRA? Was that just heartbreaking to see? Mm-hmm. Uh, what about uh, child mortality or um, the lack of opportunities with jobs? You know, just people feeling like everything was uh, heartbreaking. And of course there's so much heartbreak. Um, but I was literally just there telling Stories of people creating solutions to each of those problems, mm-hmm. and i I was realizing that those stories were not reaching a bunch of people, and a bunch of people felt very hopeless uh, about what was going on in the world. And I was like, "Well, if that's true for my friends, who I, I should be telling about these things, uh, then it's got to be true for more people." And I also thought about you know all the injustices that I was seeing in the world, uh, whether it was. You know, police brutality or the growing refugee crisis, or um, just division in politics, and just wondering, is anybody doing anything about these? Is anybody working to create a solution? And so uh, i I set out to communicate the stories that I was finding and more in more ways. And so it, and it really did start with that Instagram push of being like, all right, well, let's, let's tell these stories on, on social media and see what happens. And people responded. And so I'm like, okay, let's take this a level deeper. And so, uh, started a, a podcast where we could have a little bit more of an intimate, longer conversation and people could listen in to these same conversations I was having. Uh, and I was like, this is amazing. This is great. And then we start the newsletter to say, here's what's going on in the world every day. Um, and then we're like, okay, how can we take this even further um, and and get people's attention? And I, and I thought a lot about this quote from Seth Godin where he talks about how you have to be remarkable. You've got to be worthy of remark. Otherwise, you're average and average is useless. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's a, that's a very blunt point, Seth Godin. <laughs> uh, uh, and what if... Like, how can I make sure that I don't just, like, get buried in the internet, you know, among all kinds of other people doing all kinds of things? I was like, well, you know what nobody's doing right now? Uh, Making a newspaper, (laughs) Uh, largely because they were dying and it was expensive. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, nobody was doing it. And I was like, that's an interesting way to be remarkable. Uh, Because when you want to make a difference in the world, when you want to move the needle... You really do have to be remarkable because it's hard to stand out. It's hard to have people see what you're doing um, but if it matters, it's important that that you make sure people see it. Yeah. so like okay well let's let's kind of <laughs> kind of jumping ahead. we're basically like let's start a newspaper filled with good news uh, and we launched this thing on Kickstarter and we're super nervous up until we launch it. Uh, and I'm filled with a lot of, uh, anxiety and dread for weeks. And I'm, I'm at some point just thinking, maybe I should just cancel this. Like, I'll just like re, recoup the, the lost costs and, and just will quit it. I don't want to be embarrassed. But effectively, my wife, uh, and my team talk me into, uh, pressing the launch button on our Kickstarter. And, um, we sit very nervously for a few minutes and then, uh, Within 52 hours, we were fully funded. Wow, and that's amazing. W- thank you. Yeah, it was it was a wild roller coaster. And it was it was fascinating because I genuinely didn't know if anybody else needed this. But I felt like I needed this. So I thought that I should bring it to the world because I, I, I'd never like to think I'm an anomaly. I'd never like to think that I'm the only one who feels something. Right. And I was so grateful that we found other people who felt the same thing. They felt... Apathy and cynicism starting to sink in a little bit, and they and they didn't want that. They they didn't want uh, to become useless. They wanted uh, to, as Doctor Maya Angelou says, pick up the battle and make it better, just where they are. And so we. We we had a successful campaign, and then we had to figure out how to make a newspaper. And uh, let me tell you, I talked with more people over the age of sixty <laughs> uh, in my life uh, than I'd ever talked to in my life. And so it was because it, there's nobody nobody's making like a YouTube or a Skillshare tutorial on like. How to make a newspaper? No. Yeah, that's a dying <laughs> industry. So I just like had a lot of long phone calls with people uh, who had old people voices, and they're smoking and it was cigars, and yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. Uh, literally, the guy who almost was like my my mentor and kind of taught me a lot about the process in our first year. He just retired, and so if I had started this a year later, like I don't know who I would have gone to to learn from. Mm. Uh, and so it's it's interesting getting into the industry at this time, but uh it's it's because it works you know it it it's a it's a beautifully designed newspaper. our designer and our art director are just like so so talented uh, and they make this thing beautiful, so you want to kind of pick it up if it's sitting in a coffee shop or if it's sitting in a hospital or on your friend's uh coffee table and then once you open it up it's just filled with so many stories of people doing good in the world but my favorite part is that at the bottom of uh, every page is something called the good bar and it's uh, action steps on how you can get involved with what you just read because it sometimes is it, it feels really daunting to start especially if you're like if you're talking about millions of people around the world who are fleeing war and terror uh you know in the refugee uh crisis who just want a safe place and you're like i don't know what to do to 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 do something and so we just make it really easy we're like well here's a good thing you can do here's a better thing you can do and here's the best thing you can do and usually that's i guess in this situation the example would be uh for good we'd say hey uh there's a lot of stigma around refugees right now. So why don't you just share about refugees or you can share some of these stories of refugees making a difference in the world. Uh, share them on Twitter or Facebook. Um, and a lot of people would call things that are just social media based, they call it selectivism, but I call it a first step. I call it, uh, you know, the beginning of something bigger. And so the next thing we would say is we'd say, oh, well, uh, what you can do is you can you can donate that's a step better. You can donate to these organizations who are doing amazing work on the ground. Um, and it's great. You can do that from your couch. You can do it in your underwear. Like it doesn't take anything. Uh, and then the final step we would say that we want kind of people to move through this process would be um, and say, Hey, the best thing you can do is you can use your time and talents and skills and passions to volunteer and make a difference. And we're not expecting you to hop on a plane to Syria or to Greece uh, or to North Africa, we're asking you, uh, to volunteer in your own community because there are refugees in every community across the country who are looking to learn how to get her on a public transit or, uh, who are looking for a translator when they go in, uh, to talk to, um, a social worker or, um, you know, maybe need help navigating particular bureaucracies, um, you can step in and do that thing. And it's cool because we hear people who are like, okay, like I just sat on my couch, I did the tweet thing and then I felt something different. I felt I felt kind of a desire to do the next step and then the next step and then all of a sudden I'm volunteering every week. And just a year ago, I felt like I, I couldn't do anything. And that's our ultimate goal is for people to... Uh, have this tool that allows them to celebrate the good in the world, but that that would lead ultimately to them becoming the good in the world. And my hope is that, you know, in a year, uh, all the stories in the good newspaper are just stories of people who read about something else, uh, in, in a previous good newspaper, they took some action steps and now they're doing something so remarkable that we want to, uh, print that and allow the cycle to continue. And so, uh, it's so fun to get to have these outlets where we're reaching this beautiful community of people who share these values of, uh, of of desiring to see more good in the world and celebrating it when they see it, but also joining in and becoming it.
1: Yeah, it's so neat. It's such a cool concept. I, I really, I really love it. And I, I, I remember seeing that. I remember seeing the how to support refugees. You know, good, better, best. I think it's such a what a what a because it's otherwise it can be overwhelming, right? It's just like you know you're yeah. giving people a, a kind of ladder, you know, a step stool, you know, toward you know good, better, best. I think that's uh, that's that's really neat, and I think makes sense from like a psychological perspective, even. Um, yeah. yeah. Thank yeah. you. Um, how is the good newspaper doing in terms of? sale I mean do you you sell it
0: or you know yeah so we sell it I mean it's unfortunately selling it's the only way to to pay for it sure. but uh um over time you know who knows maybe with uh the right corporate sponsors who are doing good in the world uh if that's you call me <laughs> um, maybe with them sponsoring it you know it can become more free and accessible to more people um at a lower cost or for free um but it's amazing it's wild we've got literally thousands of subscribers across the United States in all 50 States. Now, actually uh, North Dakota was the biggest holdout. I don't know why, <laughs> but North Dakota, uh, somebody subscribed there and then more people subscribe there. But anyway, all 50 States uh, and people subscribe and they get it delivered uh, in the mail to their house. And um, it's so fun to see, to like open up Instagram and see the stories of people kind of sharing about that. Um, but it's, it's it's doing way better than I would have expected. You know, like I literally when we posted it, I was like, "We'll see if this <laughs> works." But it would make sense for it not to because uh, newspapers are crashing and burning right sure. now. But I think that I think that people have this desire to to not just like celebrate good in the world. There's plenty of ways to do that on the internet, but to be able to physically hold this tangible manifestation of something that is in line with their values. They care about a sense of community and empathy and good, and they want to own that. They want to hold it in their hands. And then when somebody else in their lives need it, they want to be able to give that to them as a gift as well. And so it's really cool how the cycle continues and and people continue to to care about yeah. this. And so we're going to keep on making it as long as uh, people want it. And uh, we have not run out of good news stories yet. And I uh, I am so excited to just keep on diving in and celebrating more people who are doing good in the world. I love it. I love it. So how good,
1: good, good is the company? Is it a not-for-profit or is it a business?
0: We are a business. Um, I love nonprofits. Uh, but for us, it just felt like a good fit for it to be self-sustaining, for it to be a business that can run itself. Because sure. that gives us the most longevity. Uh, and then people's you know, donations can go towards the organizations that we're pointing people to. Um, and so we've got lots of encouragement to support other organizations within the paper. Uh, at one point, I would love to become a, a B Corp, um, which essentially just shows that our values uh, that are mo- that we put our money where our mouth is that basically says um, it's this whole process you have to go through so that's why we haven't done it yet but it basically just says hey we are holding up to the standards of this being a, a, a for-profit company that's not just focused on profits Uh, it's focused on our mission first and foremost. And that's what we are right now. We just don't have the the papers uh, that describe it. But I did, we had a podcast guest a a while back and she described her for-profit company. She said, I don't like using for-profit. I like describing it as a for-purpose company. Mm. And I like that a lot. And I think um, I'm really inspired by a lot of companies who have come before me that have done that, whether they're small businesses in my community. But I think kind of on a bigger scale, i think about Patagonia who just changed their, um, they just changed their um, mission statement to be um, focused on protecting mother nature. Mm -hmm. And I love that. And now everything that they do is in line with that ethos. And they're not, you know, even if they can make more money uh, with a particular product, if it hurts the environment, they say no. And I, I love that they're guided by something deeper than, uh, their finances yeah. it's fascinating I, I asked because
1: I I mean just from a business perspective I'm I've been working on a business idea myself sort of uh extending out of EME Empathy and um been thinking about it a lot and just I was just curious as to how uh how things work in your world that's all yeah, yeah.
0: well I mean I will say it's it's not like we're we're flooded with money sure. you know it's 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 a difficult tricky yeah. thing and there have been months where uh i didn't know if we would you know make enough money to to make it to the next month and uh that's terrifying but i also think that's a reality of any uh start like running any totally. business uh and when it's something you care so deeply about i think it's especially hard because it's like it's not just that this thing that i've been working on would fail but it would be that people who found something that is helping motivate them to be their fullest, truest selves that make the biggest difference, like it's going to affect them as well. And so it's, I don't know, being an entrepreneur is like one of the best things too. And that, that energy of, you know, figuring out uh, what it takes to make it to that next level is, is, terrifying and and so exhilarating and thrilling yeah and i'm i'm still figuring out a lot of stuff but i'm i'm loving it
1: well it's so neat that we can as humans take this core uh part of our our passion and our our philosophy and 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 make it a thing that could potentially be a business and and a thriving one like that's such a exhilarating idea
0: yeah, I it's I I would say it's just so energizing. Yeah. Uh, the the stuff I I mean I feel like I'm just constantly, uh, my momentum is fueled fully by how exciting and novel all of this is. <laughs> it's lovely. I love I love to hear that.
1: Um, I did get a question from uh, a, a listener of the podcast, Christopher Swan. Um, he asked, "What are his future plans for Good Good Good?"
0: Hmm. That's a great question. Um, If you had asked me a few years ago, uh, I would have never told you that we'd be running a newspaper. (laughs) Uh, And so I I very much hold these things loosely. Um, My big goal for the next year is to find ways to make uh, what we do more accessible to more people. So not just people who you know, have the privilege of, of being able to spend money like this on something that they care about. But what does it look like to, to meet people in places where they need good news, but wouldn't even think to look for Mm. it, uh, or need good news, but couldn't afford it. And so, uh, I think that's one of the things that we're going to be looking at, um, and, and basically, just figuring out, okay, how can we get the finances to do this, and then who are the right people to partner with? And we've got a few ideas, but uh, we're we're staying very open minded. Um, and then the other thing is. Um, we're just working on something new for the podcast right now. And we're working on a way to, uh, to dive deeper into some of the stories that we've been telling over the last few years and some of the new stories we want to tell, um, in a way that's different than how we've done in our last few years. And, uh, for me, I, I feel like I always just need to be chasing something that fuels my curiosity. I need to be wondering. And the minute that I feel like I know something, then, uh, nothing feels as natural anymore. So I'm excited to be leaning into my curiosities more with all of these kind of new things and, and, uh, just trying to figure things out in worlds that I I don't know anything in, uh, and, uh, allowing that to be, to, to, to manifest into something that's, uh, really unique and, and different from what we've always done. Nice. That's cool. Uh, well, let's, let's
1: start to wrap it up. Um, we, we always wrap up the show Brandon talking about our empathy heroes These are people in our lives they could be characters from books or movies they could be a quote we love you' you seem you're seemingly flush with quotes um, they could be just uh, you know friends partners etc I will name my empathy hero first this week to give you a moment to think on yours. Uh, my empathy hero this week is um, I mentioned her at the top of the episode, Mary Angela Abeo, uh creator of Faces of Fortitude again, just doing a beautiful job in getting the stories of people who have been impacted by suicide out into the world. There's so many of us and it's um, and she's doing it in a way that's that's that you know it's a really it's a photography project. She's a photographer and she takes these beautiful black and white photos. Um, and, uh, it's just, uh, it's just a wonderful mental health awareness project. And I, I'm, I'm grateful to know Mary Angela and I met her through this sort of podcast and this experience. So if you guys haven't listened to Mary Angela's episode of this podcast, definitely go back and do that. Uh, and so, you know, yeah, Mary Angela is my empathy hero this week. How about you, Brandon? I love yeah. that.
0: That's really good. Um, oh man. Uh, so, I mean, the first person that comes to my mind is my wife. She's amazing. She's, uh, she has taught me so much about empathy and I have learned so much from her. And I, and I, I genuinely believe that if I had started this newspaper before I met her, it would be so much, it would be so shallow. It wouldn't be filled with depth. It wouldn't be filled with, um, it wouldn't be filled with, um, acknowledgement of heartbreak and pain and injustice and i think it'd be a lot of rainbows and butterflies mm. uh and so she has ultimately made this deeper but i do feel like uh saying my wife is a bit of a cop-out and so <laughs> i want to extend one more sure. uh empathy hero to uh one of the people i admire most in the world her name is sarah corbett uh sarah corbett is the founder of Craftivist Collective and uh, she is focused on the art of gentle protest. She has a wonderful book. She's been on our podcast before uh, and she has found a very unique way of um, in a time where activism feels more important than ever, but it also feels very loud and very um, extrovert focused and very combative. Yeah, combative, which I I think those really move the needle in a lot of contexts. But she does, she focuses on um, a more gentle, quiet form of activism. And it's so interesting uh, the way that she is able to. Uh, take on big corporations or political leaders by... She's got all kinds of creative ways, but sometimes she'll essentially make crafts for people that remind them of the values that they hold deep inside that have maybe been buried by money or power or wow. you know, circumstance, whatever remarkable. it is. And and she'll pass them along to people and, uh, in the encouragement of... of Making a better decision on the next time around, and uh, it's inspired me so much. and And so she uh, uh, is absolutely another one of my empathy heroes. Lovely. And and what was her name again? Sarah Corbett. Sarah Corbett.
1: Awesome. Well, thanks for sharing that. Yeah, thank and you. And naming your wife as an empathy hero is certainly not a cop out.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's it's just it's so exponentially true every single day that it's like. Well, maybe I need to share, like, somebody who I, who I just re- was reminded of this yeah. week.
1: No, I, I hear you. Yeah. It's, like, it's like one of those duh empathy heroes. Exactly, yeah. exactly.
0: Yeah. Well, Brendan, where can
1: uh, people connect with you and, you know, subscribe to the Good Newspaper and the Sounds Good podcast and all that stuff?
0: Thanks for asking. My, uh, You can find me across the internet at at Brandon Harvey. My name is spelled with an E-N, which is a little tricky, but uh, it's great because uh, my name is the same everywhere. Um, and then you can find good, good, good across the internet at good, 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 C-O- on Instagram and Twitter. And then our website is also good, good, Dot co. And that's got our podcast. Uh, we've got more than 150 conversations with people who are making a difference in the world. Uh, and then we've got our print newspaper and then our free weekly email newsletter filled with good news. So whatever your favorite platform is, we probably have some good news for you there. Um, and we'd love to meet you. Awesome. Well, thanks, uh, Thanks for sharing that and thank
1: you so much for being on Me Empathy, Brandon. Thank you, and thanks for asking such great questions. I loved getting to dive into all of this. Of course. And to you listeners, I'm here, you're here, we're here together on this wayward, overwhelming, awe-inspiring pale blue dot. We have each other. It's you me empathy. La, la, la. La, la.